Because when you talk about space epics and you don't talk about Star Wars, it's sort of the right. elephant in the room. Right, right, right. That, um, but we are, we are going to refrain from Star Wars just because that is worthy of having its own episode. And, it, also, and it's actually not what we're going to talk about because we're yeah. talking about sci-fi space right. epics. And George Lucas himself has stated that, you know, it's not a sci-fi movie. It's not it's not sci-fi. It's a space fantasy. It's a space right. opera. Belongs to the fantasy genre yes. along with Lord of the Rings. Exactly. And other so, things. It just happens to be in outer space. Exactly. So that's why we're going to try and uh, I'm sure Star Wars will come up because when you're talking about space, you know. So this episode is really about tales of becoming and space as the mystical realm to which we can go to be transformed, which is really what all these movies are about. Right. So, right. so yeah. flicks 2001 like, A Space Odyssey 2001, is like Interstellar, the, the ultimate example. Gravity, yes. you know, things like this. You know, I, I'm, we could probably even throw Star Trek in there. Star Trek is basically this. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Finding secret knowledge in a world right. unknown. Right. Space, the final frontier. The moral of the story. The podcast where a writer, a philosopher, and a filmmaker explore the stories that make us and the morality that makes the story. So, sci-fi space epics um, are a perennial film genre that now just every year or two there's another one that comes up. And you had Interstellar when Nolan did his um, that dealt with they always deal with the unknowable scientific questions, sci-fi questions of space travel, time travel, knowledge of the beyond. Wouldn't you, know, you say, though, that there's kind these. of we're in like a new phase post the Sandra Bullock movie Gravity where everything now is like grounded sci-fi. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's like NASA technology. Right. But still near future, like not something that you actually would see if you went to a NASA facility. But yeah. it's. Like right. Well, in the historic space epic, too, that that is kind of a, its own subgenre of like first man, you know, where yeah. it's kind of gritty. I still haven't seen that. Gritty, right. you know, yeah. you know, uh, supposedly exactly what happened, kind of the kind of thing. Um, it didn't happen. Well, I, I do. It, I, I actually, I, I wanted to laugh because I felt the like earlier this landing. year they were. No, all, we can't go down this rabbit hole. No, 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 no. But we have to say though, like all this year, there were all these documentaries that were put out. It was like this new Apollo Eleven documentary, which is really amazing. It's like all this. They say newly found sixty-five millimeter footage um, that that they rediscovered. You know, and the, and the official story is that all of the video camera footage from the moon itself was lost. Like in the 80s, NASA had low budgets and they had to overwrite all the footage. But anyway, so they rediscovered this footage and stuff. But I just think it's funny in the wake of like the moon conspiracy, like overtaking YouTube and flat earthers and all this other stuff that NASA now is like putting out all these documentaries just to try to retell (laughs) the Apollo story. Right. Okay, so question here. Uh, to kind of open this conversation out. And this is a real-life question, but also in this, you know, why is there always this need to go and, and find other planets? You know, what what's the uh, what's the driving force behind that? You, you know, there's a scene in Interstellar that kind of plays off of both of the things we've been talking about, and it's that scene where uh, Matthew McConaughey is talking to the school teacher. Mm-hmm. And remember, nobody believes in the moon landing anymore. Like, that's the whole thing, because he brings it up. And she says, oh, well, that's not in our curriculum anymore because we don't and basically the implication is that it's propaganda that right you know, because there's no more horizon to earth 
and the future. You're not going to find uh, find that in the curriculum. And so part of that, I think, goes back even to you look at the stories of, that Vikings would tell or medieval people would tell, and it was the forest was the frontier, right? It was mm-hmm. like yeah. in the forest there are th- aliens, right? They're, yeah. But they're fairies or they're ogres or they're mm-hmm. – and so there's always this unknown region that's populated by – Things that are like us, but not like us. Well, really, the first uh, the first space epic you could say is actually the Odyssey. Yeah, really the and really before the Odyssey is um, uh, Gilgamesh. The epic of Gilgamesh is sort of the first space epic. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a voyage, right? Right, and that's where obviously Star Trek and the Voyager. Right, that's sort of that idea of just a ship that takes us into the unknown. Right. Yeah. Right. Has Jason and the Argonauts or Right. Well, and even the the climax of the Epic of Gilgamesh, which is Gilgamesh meets Utnapishtim. Uh, yeah, which is like the Noah figure who uh-huh. survived the flood or built yeah. and but he can live forever. Yeah. And yeah. that that's actually how most sci-fi movies end, which is some encounter with yeah. The, the divine beyond. or uh-huh. the the one who knows. Who's like the little alien and that? Um, that was the and, uh, the Flintstones, or no, the Jetsons. It's the Jetsons. I, that's that has the big brain. I think can do anything. I don't. He know. just like he just makes. <laughs> I forget what his name is, but somebody like that. It's it's just this sort of magical being, yeah. which is even where the Marvel stories have yeah. gone, which is kind of the worst part of the Marvel stories in some <laughs> some ways. But um, well, you know, because you, you have to go to the divine when you go to the heavens. Yeah, which is what space is. Yeah. Historically, right, his space is a modern idea, and the heavens was the the word in the ancients used for the realm of the stars. And right. so there is this divine um, under underlayment to the idea of space. Um, Do you think that's a, there's that, a correlation between that and like the unknown? You know, mm-hmm. like is the unknown a representation of divinity? You know, well, that's or is that's it, like the Jordan mm-hmm. Peterson take, which is sort of yeah, which. You know, I've, I've always had a problem with that because, well, it it goes back to the evolutionary idea, which is that the unknown, the divine is the unknown. It's whatever lies outside of your reach. But there's kind of a like a circular reasoning that mm-hmm. associates with that, which would say, therefore, that anything that is unknown could be considered divine. Yeah. But I don't know that that reasoning is actually true. Like, could you actually prove that everything that humanity considers to be unknown? Yeah, they treat in a divine manner. But then, from there a is, philosophical perspective, but then anyway. there is also the historic uh, Christian aspect of saying that part of the the uh, ineffable essence of God is at its root unknowable to us. Right. You know, of of saying there's an unapproachability, and the like the root of God is beyond our grasp. And so, you although God has made Himself known. We can only know as much of God as he has revealed to us. Right. And so in that sense, there is a part of God that is ultimately unknowable, but right. by gift has been made known. Right. So the Odyssey of Space, as a Kubrick aptly <laughs> named his, <laughs> the Odyssey of Space or 2001 A Space Odyssey. We can start there maybe because uh, it's probably the most... I mean, for sure, the most highly revered right. of all space movies well, of all, definitely of films. A, the pioneer of that genre. Yeah, yeah, and probably everybody since then that's made one yeah. is basically they're in some way remaking that film. Yeah, I think I read somewhere that Nolan, when he made Interstellar, like he 
rewatched 2001 like a whole bunch of times. Or yeah. it was it was where mm-hmm. it was like studying. Yeah, it's a inspiration. The, well, you know the thing about 2001 is it it's funny because I think there's sort of two movies when you talk about 2001. The first movie is the apes and Zarathustra playing in the background mm-hmm. and the whole evolutionary climb to the star child at the end, mm-hmm. you know, where the astronauts transformed into like a little angel or something. I actually always found like that really a creepy. A little angel he's or like, something. He's like a, but he's like a baby, right? Isn't he? Yeah, it's real trippy. Like he's a baby. Yeah. It's very yeah. weird. It's kind of yeah. creepy, I think. But You but, had to be there. Right. In, in the, in the yeah. 70s. Right. <laughs> or was it 60s? What year was that movie? If you took 68. Yep. 68. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, if you like weren't there the in the 60s, 60s then yeah. uh, you might not understand. But but the thing – but then within the movie, there's also the artificial intelligence trying to kill humans movie, mm-hmm. right? And that to me is the real movie. Like if it had just been the evolutionary stuff, I don't mm-hmm. think anybody but the most rarefied art critics mm-hmm. or movie critics would have known about it. Yeah. Because Cooper really does it? create this tense, tense, tense mm-hmm. film when you're watching all the – people get murdered yeah. slowly mm-hmm. in their hydrogen tanks or whatever they're yeah, yeah. inside. Yeah. You know. Probably oxygen. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Well, I would, yeah. I, if I had to wager, I'd bet oxygen. Well, and that is, re- that is really interesting because there is an element in all space films where the, the story dynamic of our own creations are our own undoing. Yeah. And that's really the story of the technology that takes you over um, or AI. And that's essentially what the story of artificial intelligence is, mm-hmm. is that we will call out. And this actually goes back to our superhero episode of it's like saying, you know, you get a powerful, you get the uh, Avengers and they call forth a more powerful evil. Right. That's the same idea that the higher our skill and our knowledge and all yeah. of these things, we call out nemesis. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nemesis is, we is like beckoned, because of our own achievement. And that's essentially what Kubrick is doing is like on a story level saying our achievement to go to the stars is actually calling forth our own demise. Right. Well, and that's where you get the subgenre of horror in space, like Alien and mm-hmm. all of the Ridley Scott. And well, James even um, stuff. Ex Machina. Uh-huh. Which yeah. Would be a good episode. Mm. <laughs> a, I haven't watched that one yet. Yeah. It's, yeah. Is it good? Right of that that vein of, mm-hmm. of uh, that's an H.G. Wells episode, yeah. you know, insect <laughs> insect space monsters. But we will um, not go down. Yeah, that we won't go there, right? Right. right. Um, yeah, but what is that? What is the moral underpinning of of going to space? You know, it's interesting if you look at uh, C.S. Lewis had a take on humans going to space, which I thought was uh, those were some of my favorite books, the Space Trilogy, mm-hmm. and um, one of the main themes of that story is the morality of actually leaving earth. Cause he takes a, he wrote a book, uh, that is called, um, the discarded image. And it's all about the, the cosmology of the middle ages and how they viewed space yeah. and is a big part of that story. And essentially uh, like the idea of the second hand, the third heaven, like these were actually their terms for the paths of planets. Mm-hmm. So the realm of the third heaven was actually the realm of Venus. 
um, and and so on. So they had this whole concept of actually space very much the size that we consider it to be. Yeah. And, I mean, so it wasn't this sort of weird uh, far out type thing. You know yeah. what you consider the idiot. Uh, you know, oh, they thought the earth was flat and Columbus proved it was round, you know, that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah. That's actually all all nonsense. But uh, when Ransom in Out of the Silent Planet leaves Earth, the big question is, is he taking the sin of Earth with him to an untainted, unsinful place? Yeah. And this is the chief morality question of those stories yeah. in a big sense, uh, which is a really interesting question because you say, does the fall of man is that limited to earth yeah part of that though goes back to i think so much of the genre that we're talking about owes a great deal to hp lovecraft mm-hmm. because lovecraft i don't know if he was the first but maybe he was the most famous popular person to codify this codified basically a vision where the farther out you go you're going to encounter malevolence mm-hmm. right so even in a movie like Interstellar that presumably is about human progress and we can do it, when you really watch that movie, it actually kind of subverts itself because the farther afield Matthew McConaughey goes, the more he just encounters evil, right? Matt Damon is psychotic and um, and he realizes I shouldn't have left. I should have just stayed with my family back on Earth. And so the space is not friendly to humanity. Space is basically a symbol for the fact that the universe is against us. So it's kind of this evolutionary take where, you know, we're alone in this dark <laughs> void a dark space of space. Right. And yeah. Which is actually we should a term stayed by the Wells, fireplace. H. G. Wells invented the term space. Oh really? Yeah. Huh. Space as a term for the heavens didn't exist before H.G. Wells. Interesting. I didn't know that. Because it's the emptiness. Yeah. Right? That's yeah. what the word means. It yeah. means like empty space. And that is that is a totally different – that was one of the points C.S. Lewis brought up in a, in his scholarly work um, and then is kind of dramatized in his space trilogy that the idea of space being empty is a distinctly modern idea. Yeah. That yeah. ancient people thought of space being Full of stuff. Yeah. Full of things and beings. <laughs> full of stars. And, yeah. You know, and that's Which, anyway, that's a really look at it. Yeah, that's that a is really a big flip to right your idea. your conception. I'm, which is actually the vision of the movie we're not talking about, Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Stop. Stop. Pause. So yeah. later. Um, well, you know it's funny as I'm I'm flashing back to when I used to watch Dexter's Lab on Cartoon Network, and I don't know if y'all remember, but every so often Dexter, one of his one of his villainous scientist opponents, they would accidentally open a portal, and this octopus monster would try to come out of the portal, and they would just close it in time. It's the Stygian blackness. It was just a gag, but it was it was based on the Lovecraft idea of like what's out there is the unnameable evil that will destroy us all. Well, you know, Alex, (laughs) to what you were saying about taking Earth's sin, you know, something that I've always wondered is, which I'll preface this by saying, I think that going to other planets is the coolest thing ever, you know? Right. Um, But I've always wondered, are we not content? You know, is there this level of, you know, what we have never being enough? Yeah. Which, you know, is is, that's not really a, a great way to live your life of always never being content with what you have and where you are, you know, always wanting something more. Is that, is that, 
I don't know. Well, is that the reason Elon definitely. Musk and Jeff Bezos seem like Bond villains? Yeah. Because the world is literally not enough? Well, yeah. You know, Elon Musk wants to die on Mars. Like, yeah. you know, which, again, I think that's really cool. But, you know, is that is that a part of the human condition of, mm-hmm. oh, well, this beautiful planet that we live on mm-hmm. is never going to be enough for us. You know, we're always going to want to go to the next greatest thing. Yeah. Which, yeah. Uh, I don't know. That's something I've always well, thought. Well, it's funny. On on yeah. the, like Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos and and Branson and all the the billionaires that are in the space club, you know, right now, there is a fundamental pessimism that underlies all of their thinking, hmm. you know, and and it's a pessimism about Earth, a pessimism about humanity, about society, about the hope of what we can do because you know bezos's whole narrative is okay where there's going to be a trillion humans in you know i don't know, throw a stone into the next couple centuries you know and it's a trillion humans and we've got to find other places to live and so he literally is planning on building these things from interstellar there that's based on the same research in the 1970s of this professor yeah i forget his name but he he envisioned these like rotating earth or uh, space colonies yeah. you know that had these different Deals and gravity it, at the center. Yeah, and yeah, and all well. this, and and it's like, well, okay, I guess, whatever. But you know, there's a there's a weird factor in saying, well, we can manufacture a world that yeah. is better or that is sustainable more than the actual well, planet and, we're and we, actually that we this are is from. kind of yeah. this is kind of a tension in sci-fi, just period, because mm-hmm. you look at a film like Wall-E. Which is animated, but it's mm-hmm. kind of connected to what we're saying, mm-hmm. and it's saying we shouldn't have left. Right? Yeah. That's kind of right. The point Earth, of that is movie. An, Earth, Earth is Earth an irreplaceable. Is, gift. Earth is ir- an irreplaceable good, mm-hmm. and then you have a movie like Interstellar, where the Earth is has these droughts, and but it's really our fault. But we really need to move forward. But we can't move forward unless we help <laughs> unless we help ourselves because our future selves will open. And a there's black still hole. an evil scientist that <laughs> and, betrays you. And there's still an evil scientist. <laughs> but but Interstellar is also saying, you know, Matthew McConaughey shouldn't have left because he really should have loved his family and mm-hmm. all. And so I don't know. I think that actually sci-fi has a real divided mind what's that phrase when you have you think two things at once or you but uh, yeah cognitive dissonance yes that's what and then you have the uh you know i personally really like this movie but Mm -hmm. hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy where oh (laughs) where you know earth is just manufactured on magrathia it's just a it's just a planet that they Sculpted, <laughs> you know. Well, that is it. Yeah, that, that op- is. Doesn't that open with them just bulldozing Earth? It's like Earth just yeah, gets pulverized. Yeah, it literally and gets because uh, they're putting in a space highway. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and it's in the way, and so they they pulverize it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I never did. I never have finished watching that movie. I I got stuck on the moment where he kind of starts doing his anti-religion thing. Yeah, he's big on that. He's he's mm-hmm. big on his. Well, and that and, and that really. The, the subject of leaving Earth, right? Because let's let's face it, like other movies like Star Wars that we're not talking about, Earth doesn't exist. It's true, yeah. You know, so like that's a really a totally different kind of thing. Earth is central to all of these other stories. Yeah. And it's all about leaving Earth and leaving your home. And so you actually get to a lot of really interesting um, anthropological questions about the nature of humanity and what it means to be human. Mm-hmm. And that's where you get the <laughs> – the uh, 
is Elon Musk actually a human being? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I wonder like, that every day. You know, <laughs> you know, and you say, well, because in a real sense, it goes back to Eden, which we were talking about before the episode. Yeah. If you go back to the garden, you say we are actually made from the earth. Right. Yeah. If we were formed from the dirt of the ground, we are part of earth. Right. We're also we're earthly we creatures in the image of a celestial god. Right. So. Yes. Yes. I don't know. That's a really interesting aspect to the question of leaving Earth and say, can you live on Mars? Yeah. Can you be on Mars yeah. and survive beyond, like, say, you take oxygen with you? Is it like a like a psychological thing or like a spiritual thing? Yeah. Is there something deeper right. yeah. in your connection? But do you think that that could be what the pull is? The the fact that we're we are made in the image of a a being that's beyond the confines of this earth could that it be could be that it could also be a luciferian drive <laughs> <laughs> the satanic we, wish well, to yeah, take that you know, which is not in your own orb yeah, and yeah. to rule beyond your right true, rightful true. place that's what, yep. uh, that's what uh that was aquinas's I example was, of what lucifer's sin was he said it would be like wanting to create something yourself like the way god creates like mm. it would be so that's where frankenstein or and that's mm. another podcast, but uh, yeah. But I know, was thinking a, a much more whimsical. Well, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you know something that's interesting. This is a little more philosophical, but um, Interstellar kind of wrestles with this a little bit because at the end of that film, what they realize, or what the film kind of discloses, is that the thing that would need to happen for us to move to the stars to make the leap into the future, so to speak, would be. Um, and actually this goes back to 2001 too, would be that somehow humanity achieves a kind of perfection. Like, and, and like Aquinas um, you know, philosophically would say that it would be about having, being, having a property, like a new property of um, perfection or accuracy or hmm. – because right now, because we're fallen, we're fallible – you know, we we're not um, we don't have the essence of like power or goodness or um, or perfection uh, or sinlessness the way that uh, Adam and Eve would have in the mm-hmm. beginning. Yeah. So and and that was just a gift of God. So you know, when God does something, He doesn't have to think, "Oh, I got to do it perfectly." He just does it perfectly, mm-hmm. and. That's the and that's actually I think what we're wanting from our artificial intelligence. We're wanting some being yeah. that doesn't make mistakes. Yeah. Really, is what that's we're saying. Sinless. Yeah, we're yeah. saying if there, if we could find something that didn't make mistakes, we could build the spaceship. We could find yeah. the answer to the physics problem. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's and, actually a great. That is a great story by uh, iRobot. Uh, oh, Isaac, uh, Isaac Asimov. Asimov. Um, when he tells one of the iRobot stories, where the artificial intelligence. Uh, constructs and designs a spacecraft yeah that was and they cool look at it and they story. like they don't understand what it does or like it, it was that was a really cool that was yeah. a really yeah. cool little bit yeah. um well and it and it does and it, in a storytelling sense these stories about going beyond our our knowledge and into a realm we don't understand those can be stories about all kinds of things right because we're you're really dealing with two different things we're dealing with the storytelling yeah. of adventure Mm-hmm. And then you're dealing with real life billionaires who actually want to colonize yeah. foreign planets. There is and, a level of, I and, mean, in a way, they are real. They're yeah. they're they're very much in the future, but you know, that's going to be the case one day, mm-hmm. right? There, there are going to be people on, on Mars, you know. Mm-hmm. 
right. it's gonna happen. Yeah. Well, like, I just wh- got whether, a, it's, I just got... whether it's good or bad, it's gonna happen. You mm-hmm. know. Right. I just saw the update from NASA about Artemis, their new moon yeah. colony that yeah. they're prepping. I mean, so that is. I mean, it's there. People are trying anyway. Yeah. Yeah. The yeah. the thing that I come back when you're talking about the moral, the morality of uh, these sci-fi stories. You know, you can talk about the morality of where we belong on Earth, like family. You can talk about the morality of, you know, adventure or the unknown or, or you know, celestial things. But the thing that I take away most strongly from a lot of these sci-fi films is the fact that so many of them, when they imagine what is ultimate, what is out there, they think that at the root of everything is malice. Mm-hmm. So alien. Yeah. Um, Prometheus. Uh, even 2001. You know, the farther out you go, you encounter what what is Hal really? Yeah, he's created by people, but really what he is is he's a demon, yeah. right? He's a – because what are demons or the devil? He's a malevolent intelligence, mm-hmm. a superior malevolent intelligence. And if you just were to go through every sci-fi story, how many of them have superior yeah. malevolent intelligences – it's like 90% of the yeah. stories have that. And I think that goes back to that pessimism we were discussing earlier mm-hmm. where in a world where we think, well, God is dead, yeah. you know, then the farther out you go, you're just going to encounter sort of a meaninglessness yeah. or a, a purposelessness. And that's going to become malicious mm-hmm. and kind of destroy you. Mm-hmm. Now, the one film, now, the one film that didn't do this was Arrival. But and we, we could maybe talk about Arrival. But yeah. mm-hmm. Or, but. you know, even I was just thinking uh, and also going a little further back in the mm-hmm. episode when we were talking about taking the the sin off planet. But Ender's yeah. Game. Uh-huh. Ender's Game, the alien force is very much – you think it's the bad guys. Mm-hmm. Right. Know? And then at the very end of the book, it's revealed that they, they were just trying to communicate. They were trying – they were mm-hmm. very much – and we – as a human race completely eradicated them, you know? Right. So, <laughs> which like... is what actually the people that, if you watch any of these like unacknowledged or these like uh, documentaries about UFOs yeah. and all this other stuff, that's what actually they all say. They yeah. say all, all the UFOs are actually friendly people. They're trying to talk to yeah. us and our evil I government. Mean, close encounters. No. So that, that is a, a real interesting question that we honestly probably can't answer, but it, yeah. it is a good moral question. Well, to wrap up, yeah. Uh, ben, for you, what is, the moral of the story for space epics, you know, if you want to pick one or just in general, this, this genre, what does it usually leave you with? Yeah. It, it, it's, it's a fascinating genre. I'll choose one to just discuss the ending. Um, Gravity. Cause it won, didn't it win best picture? I think it Uh, did win. I I don't know. I'm I'm pretty sure it did. Continue. Um, uh, But uh, it was basically was, to me, a very pure form of a film where even though she's out in space, it's really just all interior. You know, yep. it's all psychological. And then when Sandra Bullock crashes back to Earth, you know, she emerges from the water in this kind of evolutionary, like, moment. And that movie, to me, not not making any statements about it as a piece of filmmaking, but just purely thematically, that movie is a classic example of what I don't like about the sci-fi genre. Because when the sci-fi genre becomes just pure existential humanism, then to me it becomes boring. Uh, it becomes boring because it's just uh, 
saying, you know, if you look into a mirror, what do you see? And, and it's basically a inkblot test of sorts. Um, rather than saying something about humanity, instead, you just throw out all these symbols that seem to be meaningful, mm-hmm. like a woman and her child or um, uh, Sandra Bullock is hovering in space like a baby in the womb. And the umbilical cord is her oxygen tank thing. And and so it's all these symbols and these images, but they don't actually – they're not actually com- communicating anything substantive as a, as a worldview. It's just uh, the director throwing out things that he thinks are meaningful, and then when you watch it, you're supposed to walk away with whatever you want to walk away with. Yeah. And the film it's is almost designed – yeah, the film is almost designed to do that. So it's so vague. It's so universal. Um, but it doesn't actually posit anything propositional like what it means to be human is X. And yeah. that means that there's a moral connect, con- dimension to that and yeah. that all these other things. Instead, it's just about – me looking in the mirror, accepting who I am and what has happened to me, whatever yeah. that may be. And I just think, boring, change yeah. the channel. I just, mm-hmm. I, I, it doesn't connect with me at all. Mm-hmm. I think, um, to me, these movies always live in a tension of people trying to create a storyline around science that people can understand or conceive of understanding or, you know, which is always a little bit tough to do and so in most of the time i think they just they go into the realm of allegory yeah you know and saying how do we go from that which is familiar and and you know commonplace and reach for that which seems unachievable and unreachable um and you know in some ways the morality of the storylines can be a little bit pedantic in that you always have a explorer and you have a bad guy who's typically, you know, trying to always, it's always, uh, you know, doing something where the ends justifies the means and the means are always evil. Yeah. You know, it's essentially what you, what you wind up with. The greater God. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You can't play God. You, you know, like, yeah, I could be short. You can't play God. And, you know, know, that's what you feel like you're, uh, you're doing. But, um, but I think in another, in another sense, the reason we all identify so much with, the space epic and and the explorer the explorer story who someone who's going into the unknown to to encounter we don't know what um is because in a real fundamental sense that is what life is for us right you never know what the future is going to be yeah and we go through life living life is our space epic Right, you know, you go through life, and it's sort of like uh, recently somebody did a, 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 a you know a study where they were like, "Oh, did you know your brain's inactive ninety eight percent of the time?" Yeah. I said, "What is it doing?" He said, "Well, it's actually time traveling because it's yeah. doing this process like yeah. as you just live." Yeah, and we're literally walking through time, and and that's part of why I think these stories resonate yeah. because we're all going through life struggling against unknown obstacles yeah. um, with factors we don't understand, don't know, trying to make wise decisions that sometimes are life and death. And we're one left turn away from it all ending in a car wreck or in, yeah. in anything right. really. So that the danger that we see dramatized in space is actually right at our elbow yeah. all the time. Yeah. And right. so it's a, it's a powerful 
visualization and storytelling yeah. mm-hmm. tool to to dramatize that. Yeah, that's true. But, How about you, Luke? Yeah. Well, for me, you know, when I'm watching these these type movies, and you know, this is definitely not the the direction that I know a lot of these creators are trying to take it. But for me, you know, I've always thought back to um, oh gosh, I'm I'm spacing on which uh, which president was when Challenger exploded. Space Reagan. 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 So you know, you know his famous speech. You know these touch the face of the, God. touch the face of yes. God. You know they slipped into the surly bonds of Earth to touch yeah. the face of God. Slipped the surly bonds. Sli- right. Yeah, slipped yeah. the. Uh, you know. I don't know. To me, that's always been like what I have felt when watching these type of movies that, you know, it's it's mankind's need to explore this creation that we've somehow been dropped into and to mm-hmm. not in the sense of, you know, a Tower of Babel type thing where we're trying to reach the heavens to be God, mm-hmm. but to somehow get a little bit closer to him, you know? Right. And to, uh, yeah. yeah, to just... There's so much that we do not know. There's so much mm. that we are never going to know. Mm-hmm. But that, you know, that need to have a little bit more understanding and to see just a little bit more. You know, I love looking at pictures of the Hubble telescope. Like, mm-hmm. that is just absolutely right mind-blowing to me that that's out yeah. there somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and to me, that's that's what I've always – that's what I feel when I watch these type of movies, that it's mm-hmm. just like, wow. Yeah. There's, there's, there's more a out lot. There. There's more out there that I'm never going to see. Well, I love I love the line. It's in Chronicles of Narnia in Voy- the end of Voyage of the Dawn Treader. Mm-hmm. When you remember the girl that Caspian winds up marrying, yeah. And when they they come back and they meet her, and her father comes down, and and it's, I forget he maybe marries him or he he does something, and they ask him who he is, and says, "Well, most of my life I've been a star." Yeah. He said, "What do you mean? Stars are made up of hydrogen, and yeah. you know they're burning. All, you know." He says, "Well." You're just protein and you know amino acids, yeah. you know, but that isn't that's what you're made of, but it's not who you are. Yeah, and so stars are made of hydrogen, but yeah. that doesn't tell us anything about the nature of a star. Yeah, or what? And that's a really that again goes back yeah, to the heavens, the right. heavens being this glorious populated realm of celestial beings. Yeah, which mm-hmm. is really something that that we should. Try to recover. Somebody should make a story about that. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) We should do that. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, I think that concludes this episode. Yeah. So uh, that's the moral of the story. The moral of the story for space epics. Everybody should go out, get out of the city, and look up at the sky. Yeah, definitely. Wait for a new moon. Yeah. So it's dark. Wait for good weather. (laughs) So the clouds don't cover it. Exactly. And look at the glory of the heavens. Oh yeah. And feel how small we are. Definitely. All right. Well, again, mm-hmm. thanks for listening. Mm-hmm. We don't know what the next movie will be, but hope you tune in. So please, if you're listening on iTunes, sub, uh, subscribe and leave a review. If you're on YouTube, is this going to be on YouTube? Probably. Anyway, if you're on YouTube, subscribe and hit the notifications um, or wherever you listen. And uh, please tell your friends, family, and your enemies about yeah. this podcast. <laughs> Especially the enemies. Yeah. <laughs> We'd yeah. love more enemies. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but uh, thanks again for listening. Hope you tune in next time. And uh, we'll see you on the next one. The Moral of the Story with Alex Wolliver, Luke Taylor, and Benjamin Wolliver. Please subscribe to The Moral of the Story on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, or wherever you listen. Visit moralofthestorypodcast.com. 
Copyright 2019 Moral of the Story Media.